Well, good morning. Great to have you in church this morning. I hope you had an incredibly great Christmas season. Uh, uh, you know, this whole weekend now, it's um, New Year's Day already happening. I, I want to encourage someone this morning, but as we were just worshiping, praising, honoring, lifting the Lord's name up, there was someone today that God would just have a word of encouragement. I don't really particularly know, but let me say this, is that someone had said, you know, the past is just too defining for me. My past has engulfed my life somewhat, all the problems, or the struggles. And I want you to know the Lord would say, there's a scripture for you, and it says, you know, behold, wouldn't I not do a new thing? Would it not break forth? Would you not see it? Uh, to be honest, I need to remember, I won't say that the, the reference, because I forgot that I could give you the wrong, but, but just Google that. But, uh, but, you know, the reality is that the Holy Spirit is saying, you know, do not let your past define you right now in your future. And maybe there's more than one person here. Uh, you need to see it's just not a new year, but there's a new opportunity, a new season in Him. It's not in, it's not in this world. It's not in this moment, but it's in Him, and you can discover that. Amen? So, uh, whoever that may be, or I pray there'll be an encouragement to you. Ah, amen. You know, um, this week I've found myself saying one statement uh, over and over again, and it's, of course, appropriate and a common thing to do at these times of year, and that is the word, Happy New Year. And... Uh, that would be our desire, and I pray that this would be actually more than a happy new year, because uh, uh, as I started to, uh, I, you know, sometimes I say things, and I get a little concerned with myself when I'm thinking about, do I really mean what I say? And often when I've said happy new year this past week, it's been out of politeness, which is not a problem, because somebody said it to me, I say it back, and and then I started to get a little reflective. Do I really um, know or do I really uh, mean what I'm saying? And if I'm, you know, do I really want to see that person have a really happy new year? Do I really want to see this year blessed for them? And, and while I do, I, I'm not quite sure what that would mean or pertain to uh, for every individual because it's all different. Um, what happiness means to us, all of us, it's very um, subjective, isn't it? Because what makes one person happy doesn't necessarily make another person happy. But, uh, but I truly pray that this year will be more than happiness. It'll just be an incredible year where you do see God break out and break through and that your life moves in positive upward spiral and not a downward spiral. Um, God is for us. You know that? He says that in Jeremiah. He's not against us. He's not to curse us. He's there to bless us. He's not a God that waits for you to wrong, do a wrong, and then he's going to whack us. No, he waits for us just to draw near to him, and he wants to bless us. It doesn't mean that he doesn't hate what we do wrong. Of course, he doesn't, but he doesn't hate you this morning. So anyway, I was... Um, Happiness is something difficult to define, as I said. You know, they took up a survey and they asked everybody, it was a survey they conducted and they asked a question and they said, what makes you happy? Could you give me one word that makes you happy? And, and these are the results, interesting words. Someone said laughs. Someone said, you know, laughs, that makes me happy. I suppose they're relating to the fact that when I laugh or when someone makes me laugh, I feel happy. 
that's a pretty general uh, idea. Um, someone said rainbows. You can take or leave that one. I'm not quite sure about rainbows. So that doesn't do it for me. Um, but anyway, you may... Butterflies? Uh, yep. Uh, I often pick them off the front of my car, you know. But <laughs> doesn't do it for me either. Some, this is true. Someone said uh, um, sunlight, medically speaking, vitamin D gets released into your body and actually an endorphin that actually makes you a little more happier. Did you know that? So I kind of agree with that one. Someone said kisses. Mm, that would depend on who's kissing. <laughs> Weekends. Some people get happy. I understand that. Weekend cake. Now, this is one I relate to. Cake. I'd get happy if cake. A bit of sugar in the system always um, heightens your, uh, you know, your awareness of life. Um, relaxing. That's good. Saturday, someone said. Uh, someone said romance. Yeah, look, romance can. That, that could be a happy thing. Someone said the internet. Uh, uh, I'm not sure about that one. Anyway, so you can see what makes people happy is very subjective. All different things. All different things. But there's one word that was used to describe happiness that caught my eye in this. I haven't told you so far. And it's not, uh, it is not very, it's not so subjective because subjective is when everybody has a different thought about the same word. But not being subjective means that we all need this one. We all should, um, um, you know, uh, engage in this one. And we all desire this one because there's a word that was given uh, time and time again in this survey. And that was the word peace. Peace. So many people say, well, what really makes me happy is peace. It's not laughter, necessarily. It's not anything but what it does to me, but it's just peace. And, you know, humanity all want to have peace, don't we? Whether it's, uh, whether it's a Ukrainian or a Russian person today screaming out, that I, w I wonder why this world is erupting around us. Why does this have to happen? And whether they're saying, we just want peace. And I can understand that, I'm sure, today. There's, you know, probably hundreds of thousands of people seeking that. Or maybe today it could be, uh, you know, the example of, I've, you know, well, the truth is I've had the privilege of being at the side of people's beds when they're in their last hours or days. And one of the reoccurring themes that maybe not spoken, but certainly you can, they talk about it in different ways, is they just want peace before they leave this earth. Peace. It's a reoccurring theme. Or whether today it's, Maybe a person that's a broken has a broken relationship, and and it's it's a struggle to be with that person, and you just want some peace in that relationship. So there's all different reasons, but peace is a common thread for all our lives. And and the older I get, the more I want of it. I've discovered the older I get, the less I want of the things of this world, and the more I just want peace. Because <laughs> the, the the things of this world, I've discovered, they come and go, but peace can stay forever. It can be something foundational and a strength to my whole soul and so in saying that the word peace was declared by the angels at the birth of Christ and uh, we were doing a little theme uh, it's entitled Jesus is and we've talked about Jesus is light but today I just want to talk about Jesus is peace and so let me let me read to you today just from the Bible uh, from Luke's account of the birth of Christ uh, he gives us a very extensive, concise account. He was a doctor. Doctors are like that sometimes. They very want to be thorough, which is great. Luke chapter 2, and let me read from verse 8. And it says, there, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts, or angels, appeared with the, uh, appeared, sorry, with the angel. So a whole bunch of other angels praising, I imagine, uh, that were yeah, heavenly hosts of the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth what peace to those on whom his favor rests and and uh, this is niv but new king james says uh, peace to those on whom uh oh what does it say <laughs> on on good and goodwill to all men thank you so um on the night jesus was born the angel declared something peace on earth he declared peace on earth and i was thinking about that and thinking you know in, in this world the most thing that we desired is, is the, sometimes the hardest thing to obtain. Because we all desire it, but sometimes it's hard to obtain, and sometimes it seems so slippery. We have it for a moment, and then it seems to disappear again and go, and it slips through our fingers, and we're wondering what's happening. Hap- happening. And uh, So peace and happiness, let's just throw that one in there, is not just hard sometimes to get, but it's hard to keep. We all desire it. And I asked myself the question, what is peace on earth? Well, that Jesus was being declared at the birth of Christ. What is this peace on earth that was being declared? What is it? What is it? What could it be? What is truly, what is Jesus, what is the angels declaring? And what's been declared through this, the Bible? Well, was it a peaceful world that Jesus was talking about? Was it a peaceful world? Because when Jesus came to earth, the angels declared it, peace on earth. But it's ironic because you've got to understand that the most, one of the most uh, uh, turbulent times for the Jewish nation of Israel was right then when the birth of Christ. He was born in a very turbulent time. The Roman Empire had come across and taken over their country, was charging them taxes. They were mistreated, disregarded. The Jewish people, it was a terrible time. And even within two years of the birth of Jesus, the, the, every little boy under the, from two and under was, um, was murdered within the vicinity of, of Bethlehem and also the surrounding area. Can you appreciate the grief and the anguish and the heartache that many people were facing at that moment? You know, within you know, the birth of Christ right up to the, within two years, it was a terrible time. There's not much peace and not much happiness in that. Would you agree? It was a terrible time. And so... You can appreciate it. So if this was what Luke meant when he wrote this and what the angels were trying to say, peace, you know, world peace, I'd have to say to Jesus, well, Jesus, we haven't got that. It didn't happen. Can you rethink what you mean by peace? But he doesn't have to because Jesus would agree with us because you see in in Luke 21, keeping in the theme of of Luke's gospel in verses 9 to 10, it says, when you, Jesus says this, when we hear of wars and uprisings, um, do not be frightened. And then verse 10, he says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. You've got to agree, Jesus is, is agreeing with us that it wasn't for world peace that he came to be born. Now, understand, we all understand that we, as believers in Christ, believers in God, that we can seek peace. And uh, because the Bible even says, blessed are the peace 
makers, hey. So they, they can come. I'm sure the people on the border of Ukraine who are coming, refugees that are fleeing Russia, at, or, sorry, fleeing Ru- Ukraine into other countries, not into Russia. I'm sure there's a whole hundreds and hundreds of Christian believers there helping people right this moment. We, as a, as a movement, ACC, have some missionaries right there on the border helping, feeding people, housing people, loving people. I'm sure they're bringing some peace to a pretty t- worn, torn environment. But it wasn't Jesus's, it wasn't what Jesus came necessarily for. Because the world in 4,000 years has only had 268 years. In 4,000 years, only 268 of them have been um, without, uh, been peaceful years, where there's been no wars in those particular years. That's a lot of years where there's been some conflict around the world. So, we have to understand that. So when the angel said peace on earth, here's the second thought. Was it eternal peace? Was it that, you know, a, a lack of fear, lack of anxiety, lack of stress kind of peace that he would bring? Well, it seems in this world, if we're honest with ourselves, that there's not, it's not conclusive that every one of the people in this space of this earth right now have got eternal lack of fear, lack of anxiety, lack of worry, peace. And in fact, amongst us today, there's maybe some concerns you have. And so, I mean, Jesus himself said in John 16, 33, he says, you know what? I told you these things so that in me you may have peace, but in the world you'll have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The word, the word, uh, the word there, trouble, actually means pressure, stress, and, and anxiety and anxiousness. So if the world is, if Jesus himself, and you can, it's okay, you can look this way, it's fine. (laughs) If the world, uh, if Jesus himself said, you know what, in this world, there'll still be some issues, there'll be some troubles, there'll be some struggles. I think we'd have to, we'd have to agree when Jesus was speaking of peace, when the angels declared peace on earth, that the reality was he wasn't really necessarily identifying that it was going to be an internal peace where there's no fear, no worry, no anxiety, no heartache. And you may say, just wait a second, out of my relationship with Jesus, I do get peace. And of course you do. And when you have a relationship with God, when you connect with him, there is this internal peace that does come. You know, he says he gives us peace that surpasses understanding. But I I want you to see something. There's something else that I haven't mentioned yet about this peace, peace on earth, that you've got to grasp today. Because when you do, every other peace, whether it's world peace or internal peace, flows out of it. But it comes from this one thing. So let me go to it and give you a couple of clues of what Jesus, what the angels were declaring. I mean, even Isaiah said 800 years years earlier about Jesus. He said, you know what? We're going to call him the Prince of what? Peace. So he was described as peace. He just wasn't declared that there would peace come because of him, but he was described as it. And so we've got to understand that there are a couple, uh, there's something else that we yet to mention that the angels meant when they said peace on earth. There's a gentleman called Zechariah. He was the father of a guy called John the Baptist. And Zechariah was a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. And, and um, 
He was old. His wife Elizabeth was old, but God promised them a son. She fell pregnant. It was a miraculous birth because she was, uh, couldn't have any children naturally. And so she fell pregnant. And then when the little boy was born, he's, he, he was named John. He was, we know him as John the Baptist. And Zachariah, as soon as John is born, he's now possibly got this little his son in his arms and he's prophesying or foretelling about over John and he's declaring about what John's purpose would be on earth and he says this in Luke chapter 1 verse 76 and you my child will be called a prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him talking about his son is it when he grows up and to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of what sins there we go now because of the tender mercy of our God he said this is Zechariah speaking still, by the prophesying, by the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, talking now about Jesus, to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the path of peace. Did you notice this passage actually says that it's talking about, it connects a couple of things. Zechariah is prophesying something and he's connecting something. He's connecting peace and the forgiveness of sins. The second clue uh, is from the very verse that we read earlier, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests or goodwill to all men. Because the same word for peace in Luke chapter 1 that we read about, you know, um, the the angels declaring is the same word in Luke chapter 2 that they use for peace as Zacchaeus' statement about peace uh, and the path of peace. And the Greek word for peace here is describing a connection between forgiveness of sins and the peace that we then have reside in our heart. And this is a peace because it's connected to God, doesn't go away, is not directed, it's not dependent on circumstances or emotions or feelings. It's a peace that can always be there because we have a God who always wants to forgive us and connect with us. Uh, Let me talk to you a little bit more. Are you there still? What you need to know is that this, what it really means, um, this, this is specifically a peace between God and us. Charles Wesley put it really well in Hark the Herald Angels Sing, that incredible carol that uh, maybe you hear in the shopping center. It says this, let me quote a line from it, peace on earth, mercy mild, uh, God and sinners reconciled. Oh, you know it, do you? What does it say? God and sinners reconciled. Charles Wesley got it spot on because this peace comes out of a reconciliation between God and humanity. Um, uh, uh, Paul wrote uh, to the church at uh, Colossia and he said this in Colossians chapter 120. He says, by, to him, um, And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth and things in heaven, having, been made, and having made peace through the blood of the cross. Uh, who died on the cross? Jesus. He's talking about Jesus through the blood of Christ. We've been reconciled with God. Now you might say, I know this story. I know it. You know, you give me something new. Well, folks, the reality is, is that often we sometimes think, well, I just want eternal peace. But I want to tell you where it starts when we come in, into relationship and in reconciliation with our Heavenly Father. There's peace. The dividing wall of separation between us as God is broken down. We can have, really peace starts there, knowing that our sin is forgiven by a single act of incredible unselfishness. That's Jesus' death on the cross, 
this wall that separates us. It talks about it in Scripture. Separates us from God is broken. That's the peace with, with God and the angels we're talking about. We sang this song this morning. And forgive me, I can't quote all the words of that. But, you know, we're talking about that re- very reality. Is that my, He can forgive us and we, we come into relationship with Him. It's amazing that peace that He wants to provide. Because we know that our, you know, our past is past. Our future is all ahead of us because of this now. And we're no longer an enemy to God, but we're a friend of God. He made it possible through Jesus. Reconciled to Him. And you know, I don't know if, if you, how, how long it's been since you've got excited about your salvation, but I think it needs to be seen today. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting when we, when we acknowledge again the reality. And that's what communion is all about, folks, when we have communion. We're acknowledging the reality of His this wall of separation between us and God is broken down because of Jesus. We're reconciled into Him. And it's, and it's not just an internal peace, and it's not just a peace in the world, which are wonderful things, and we can have that, but it's this peace by connection, God with us and us with God. Uh, several years ago, I was driving in Brisbane, and I found myself driving along a road, and um, I turned into a road on the, on the south side of Brisbane, I was by myself, thankfully. <laughs> so you probably start to realize something's happening, about to happen. Anyway, to my horror, a car was driving down the same road, but directly towards me. And um, I was able to, and I, I, I had no peace right then, I tell you. <laughs> and as I pulled, uh, you know, lift, turned my steering wheel to the left, I, I avoided a head-on collision and I uh, was able to just, I parked myself. I was in a, a bit of state of shock. I just parked on the side of the road on the left. And this car just went, you know, flew past me. And I realized at that moment that I'd have just avoided a major accident and possibly uh, not just um, hurting myself, but possibly even death. And so uh, my heart was racing, my pulse was going. I was, I was um, uh, in that moment, you know, when you see that happening, this incredible emotion of fear, and then when it's averted, you just kind of like, oh, did that just happen? You ever had those moments? And so I'm sitting there, and so the emotion is, is um, you know, uh, initially fear and uh, unbelief, and then as I started to think about why is this other person driving straight at me, it turned to anger. Because I think he's driving down a one-way street. He's driving directly towards me. He's going the wrong way. And so I went from this fear and emotion to this anger emotion. And, and I think, fire out. It, 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 you know, and the guy didn't even stop. He just, you know, he didn't say sorry. He didn't do anything. And, and then I'm sitting in my car and I look to the right and there's a sign there on the other side of the road. And it said one way, but it wasn't pointing my way. It was I who was driving the wrong way and not him. And so now I've gone from this emotion of fear to this emotion of anger. I tell you what, how to have emotional issues in, in just a, a matter of five minutes, you know. And now it's gone to a, the sense of embarrassment and foolishness and guilt. It was not he that was wrong, but it was me. 
it was not he that was breaking the, 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 you know, the law of the land, it was me. It was not he that had done the wrong thing, it was me. As innocent as I was, maybe, I was still foolish and guilty of what I'd done. I felt terrible. <laughs> and I was so thankful <laughs> that we hadn't had a collision because I would have been up. And if there was anybody killed, I could have been up for manslaughter if, if I'd survived <laughs> and he didn't. You know, those type of things were all going through my mind. I'm going, so now I'm just feeling guilty and foolish, but also thankful that it didn't happen. And I'm, and I'm sitting there, all these emotions are going through my heart. And then I started to think about it. You know, um, so many emotions. But then I thought, well, I've got to continue on my journey. So I turned the car around and I drove back up the right way. And it's amazing and then I just started to consciously think about what I was doing because I didn't want to drive down another one-way street. Come on, who's ever done that? Well, thank you, thank you. You can come forward to right now. <laughs> As I'm driving the right way, I'm driving back to my, um, my, um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's place where Michelle was. And, 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 um, and so I'm thinking, you know what, I'm not breaking the law now. And there was so much peace about that. And I'm driving the right way, and I'm more than likely not going to have an accident right now, and there was peace about that. And I started to reconcile that I'd just done the right, wrong thing, and that I'm, you know, as, as foolish as I am, that, you know, God, you know, I'm okay. I've, I've done it, you know, and I, and I started to have some peace, and it's amazing and that how much peace you can get when you just start to when you just turn your life around and start to go the right direction. And if there's anything about this peace that the, the angels herald at the birth of Christ, it's right there. It's when people break down, the, they, they turn their lives around and say, I'm going to walk, live uh, the right way. And as I do that, I'll live for God. Not just to, not just to be goody-goody two-shoes, no, no, but to live and actually come into a relationship with God, let the wall of separation of sin be broken down and start to walk with Him. It's amazing how much peace that we can live in because of that one very one thing. We're not breaking God's laws. We're not breaking His principles or His truth. We're, we're living and directing the right way. And that's why Zechariah said in his scriptures when he said this he said this that jesus has come into the world to guide our feet into the path of peace it's a path of peace and it's a path where god's on that path and he wants to walk with us and 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 through us continually and it's a and it's a, that peace where we know that you know what uh, I'm not perfect, but I tell you what, I, at least I know His mercy, forgiveness and grace and love in my life. And we haven't got this wall of sin between us. No, that's been broken down to my, at least to my understanding and knowledge. And that I have a relationship with Him. And that He can speak to me and I can speak to Him in that sense. I, when I read His Word, He's there. And this is this wonderful peace that comes out of knowing that I'm actually perfect before God. As much as imperfect as we are, but through the blood of Christ, he sees us as righteous. And there's peace in that. It's not that I'm not going to do something wrong again, yeah, and I've got to come back to God and say, God, sorry about that attitude, sorry about that thought, sorry about that action, certainly. But what I'm saying is because works don't get us to heaven, it's, it's his mercy and forgiveness that get us there. And so there's, when Jesus was talking about through the gospel writers 
and through the um, letters that, he, that were written in the New Testament, when it, often when you see the word peace, it's talking about that. It's talking about the forgiveness of sins. I love what... Um, I, I, oh, no, I read that one, didn't I? That the reconciled, he reconciles us to himself through the blood of Christ. It's such a powerful uh, thing. And, you know, sometimes if you've been in the, in the faith quite a while, I think sometimes you need to come back to that point and just realize that's the foundation of every other peace attitude that you have. That I'm right with God. I'm right with my maker. That I've turned my life around. I've not only turned it around, but I'm walking with him. And I'm not now uh, driving in the wrong direction. I'm driving with him. I'm not driving against the law of the land. I'm driving with it. His laws, his principles and how to do life really well. I don't have to be fearful of what I might run into because, if I, because he's with me and also I'm, I'm less likely to run into anything that's you know, terrible or turbulent or struggles because he's directing my path. That doesn't mean it won't happen, but he is directing my path. There's a lot of peace in that. And there's a lot of peace because no matter what happens to me, I know that he's the one who holds my future because I'm in relationship with him and he's forgiven me of my past and sin. There's peace in that. And you know, out of this peace, um, there comes the internal peace that we all that I spoke of earlier. Eternal peace in the midst of turbulent times, in the midst of struggle, that we all want so much. But it does flow out of this peace of just knowing that I'm right with God. And I've discovered this, this eternal peace that He puts in us. It's not dependent on circumstances. Bad circumstances don't undermine it. Good circumstances don't give you more of it. It's his peace. It's unmoving. Unlike my peace, my peace can go up and down depending on my day sometimes and the circumstances. But his peace about where I stand with him is just solid. It's always there. It doesn't move up and down. Okay? Because his love for us doesn't change. You can't, your, your goodness can't make him love you anymore. Your badness can't make him love you any less. Isn't that an incredible God? So our peace, the peace that he gives is not dependent on circumstances. Peace that Jesus gives is not absent of trouble, but rather it's the confidence that I'm right with God. Have you ever had anybody ever say, I just hope that person makes their peace with God? You know what, I, I'm not quite sure if they really understand what they're saying, but it's so accurate because what they're saying is, I hope that person gets right with God. I, I hope they come to Him and through Jesus see that their salvation is in, through Jesus. So that peace, not only is it not dependent on the circumstances, peace is not dependent on the particular emotion because the, the, there's a lot of interesting experiences for you and us and you and I every day of our lives. And we can get angry and we can get frustrated. I'm not saying that's all wrong or terrible. I'm just saying we have emotions, don't we? God made us with emotions. But peace can still be there as your foundation. And peace does not have to be dependent on which side of the bed you got out of this morning. You know what I'm saying? Because His peace is there all the time. And you know what? Peace is not connected to a time zone. Your past doesn't hijack it and the future can't make it fear. Even though you may face the struggles and you're not quite sure of the future, as I said, you can know the one who holds it. So peace is incredible. It reconciles us. 
And that's the peace that the angel was declaring. That's the peace that so many of the writers of the New Testament was declaring. This peace, right with God, becoming right with God. Do you know, um, in 1871, which is quite a long time ago now, over 100 years, a tragedy struck the city of Chicago in America. A fire broke out. It ravaged the city. Over 300 people, when it was all finished, over 300 people had died. Over um, 100,000 people were, um, were homeless. And there was a gentleman called Horatio Spafford. Some of you know that name. Some of you don't know that name. It's, a, it's an interesting name, isn't it? Horatio Spafford. It's probably not what I'm going to ask my children to call their children. But that's okay. <laughs> it's just, you know, there's other different names, isn't there? Horatio Spafford was a Christian, Christian businessman and uh, one of those who tried to help the people of the city get back on their feet. And, and for, the two, for two years, Horatio, uh, along with a friend called uh, Dw- Dwight Moody, who was an evangelist, American evangelist of the day, drawing large crowds, seeing hundreds, and th- hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ. Horatio was a good friend of him, and him and his evangelist friend, Dwight Moody, uh, assisted the homeless and the impoverished, impoverished and the Greek-stricken, uh, who were stricken by the, the fire, of course. Now, about two years after um, their work had begun, and Horatio uh, just knew he needed a rest, and so he and his family decided to take a vacation, and what they were going to do is go to England to join um, their friend Moody uh, on an evangelistic crusade trip. And also after that, have some time of holiday with him, his wife, and his four daughters in, in England. And so they planned it, and, uh, um, and uh, what happened was is that his wife and four daughters went before Horatio because Horatio had some last-minute business dealings to complete and some things to do that he thought was important. So he put his wife and his four, four daughters on a ship um, across the Atlantic to go to Europe. And he waited back. He was going to wait back a couple of weeks and follow them. And not, long, you know, a couple of weeks later, the ship with his wife and four daughters never made it. And off what used to be called Newfoundland, I'm not quite sure if they call it that now. Maybe they still do. It collided. Their ship collided with an English sailing boat, an English sailing ship, and sank within 20 minutes. And through, and though Horatio's wife, whose name was Anna, was able to cling to a piece of um, floating wreckage. One of only 47 people who survived and hundreds died. Tragically, his four daughters, um, Maggie, Tanisha, Annie and Bessie, all drowned and sank to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Horatio received a terrible telegram from his wife. It only had two words on the paper and these were the two words. Because he'd already heard about this tragedy of this ship sinking. And the two words were, saved alone. His wife was saying, I'm the only one of our family. So Horatio jumps on a ship now, as soon as he can, to get to his grieving wife, who's now in London, as quickly as he can. He's on the deck of the ship in the Atlantic Ocean. And the captain says to Horatio, uh, Mr. Spafford, this is about where your daughter's ship went down. I'll just leave you for a moment with your own thoughts. The captain went back into the uh, wheelhouse of the ship and Horatio, gripping the side, the handrail of the ship, stared over into the water and the grief, the with heaving grief, 
he had a moment where he felt he just needed to give God praise anyway. And so he did that. And as he did that, in the midst of his grief and heartache, and you can appreciate, here's a dad who's lost his four daughters. They're somewhere at the bottom of the ocean, maybe in that particular area. And he starts to pen some words on a piece of paper. And the words were this, when peace, come on, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. How can you do that? How can you, how can you write such words in the midst of such tragedy? I don't know what I do. I've got three daughters if they, you know, weren't here they'd drown I don't know how I'd cope but I I hope I'd, I'd do what he did I hope so as the team come but I want to tell you that the, the way that when when the angels declared that first Christmas peace on earth I want to tell you it's more than just a throwaway statement it's more than just you know uh, a line that we sometimes can say I want to tell you the God of our Heavenly Father wants to give us that peace. And the first and foremost foundational part of that peace is when we are reconciled with Him. When we, you know, become right with God. And, you know, my prayer would be that you would consider that and weigh that up because the peace that we long for won't be found in this world. It won't be found in things. It won't be found... You know, you know what it's like. Circumstances want to ravage our hearts. Emotions want to destroy us sometimes. We get so caught up in our past failings and we get so fearful of our future endeavors and we're not quite sure what the future will hold. I want to tell you there's a peace that surpasses all of that and it starts with our being right with God. Peace. And out of that comes eternal peace. And out of that, I, I'm sure some some conflicts between nations have been diverted over the, over the centuries because of that peace that's come into the hearts of men and women who are in positions of leadership. But what about your life today? There's a peace, like our friend Horatio, that though the waves want to crash over us, though the winds would want to blow against us and the storms want to rage against our hearts, we can declare, can you declare, you know what, it's well with my soul. That part of me, of my emotion, that part of me that has thought and attitude and that's my soul. Or I have all those emotions, it's well, it's well with my soul. I tell you what, that comes through the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can we stand today as we close? Can I just pray a prayer? It's a prayer of response to Him. It's a prayer of commitment to Him. And it just goes like this. And maybe you need to make this your prayer. Because God, God came for you through Jesus and He's not going to give up. And it goes like this. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. As we close our eyes today, I just thank you that you sent Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you came. That you died on a cross to take my sin so that I could be forgiven. And you reconciled me back with God. In other words, I, I can be in right standing with God because of you, Jesus. I thank you for that today. I receive that into my heart. 
I thank you for that opportunity. And I, I give you my life and I ask you to help me because I face some pretty major things and struggles right now and I need your help. And I ask for that in Jesus' name as I give my life to you. I thank you today and I receive your forgiveness and mercy and love for me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you make that your prayer today and it's from your heart, it's amazing what God can do. It's amazing what He can do. I'm not quite sure where we all stand, but God knows. <laughs> and He reaches out to us. At the start of this very first day of 2023, I'm so thankful Jesus came. Come on, let's just sing this song for a moment. Just getting started When I hear the walk You just walk through When I face a mountain You are the maker So it's gotta move When I'm out of faith You are still faithful When I'm at my worst you are still good in all of my questions. You are the answer. It all points to you. Come on, He's the God of the breakthrough. Yes, Lord. You're the God of the breakthrough. When I'm breaking down, you'll be working the way through. When there's no way out, this one thing I know. You're still on your throne, so whatever I'm feeling, I still got a reason to praise, praise, praise. And out of our hearts, you run a story, and out of the cross, come rivers of Father, we just thank you for this day. It's the first day of the year. Um, and so we would just come before you and we just want to give you our best, I suppose, our lives, our praise, our honor, our worship of you today. Because Lord, I just don't want to do it today. I actually think it'll be a good idea for me to do that again tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month until I get to the end of this year and I look back and I see that you'll be a part of every part of my life right through it. 
And it's all because I just simply engage with you. I thank you. I commit your people uh, to you as we go into this day and in this year. We, we ask, Lord, uh, for those maybe who face some struggles and issues today, the Lord, that they would know the God of the breakthrough, the God of peace, the God of incredible love and mercy and grace. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Encourage someone today, church, and have a great day.